0: Just having a conversation and, uh, about God's anticipative love and his prevenient grace, and what those terms mean as he explains them to us, and as they're brought out in 2 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 7 to 10, when he was dealing with Paul. And at that time, Paul, like the rest of us, and I thought about those verses this morning too. Uh, in continuance with what God was also revealing about His the heart of God, and the very heart of God is a Father's heart, and and so in in, in thinking of those things, when it talks about His anticipative love, when we the picture of His anticipative love. We have to go to the scriptures, obviously, and where we go and find that out where where we actually go and find that out is is in uh in John one verses one and two and many times we think uh and we've we've shared these thoughts before, like sometimes we think that that Genesis one verses one and two are so called like the oldest verses in the Bible when John one In verse one and two, uh, bring us back to eternity, and eternity is back before Genesis one and verse one, because that's the beginning of time. In Genesis one, verse one. So, but God, God's anticipative love is the fact of John one and verses one and two, because as in in in, when we talk about His anticipative love, for instance. For us as believers, we can think of 1 John 3 and verse 20. Now, if our heart, and the heart there, when it says heart, it's the mind. But what that is, it is the mind of the flesh that's in the believer that they're not of in Romans 8 verse 9. So when it says that in 1 John 3, 20, if our heart condemn us, well, what would be the thing in us that would condemn us? When truly we're of Christ, and there is no condemnation in Romans 8, verse 1, it be the flesh that becomes active. Active. And so the, the flesh, when it's active, and the enemy tries to activate the flesh in us, when that happens, do we experience his anticipative love, the Father, heart of God? And of course, we don't. We don't. And this is the thought, and I wrote it right down. I believe I wrote it here. Yeah, I wrote it right down here as God gave it to me this morning. And this was the thought that he, when, he, when it was late, he just said, put away all the, all the other sources and things you're using. And, I, I, uh, and then he just gave me this thought and I wrote it down. John 1, verses 1 and 2. This is John 1, verses 1 and 2. It says, in the beginning... And what he's doing here, the Greek brings us out according to the Greek New Testament. He's bringing us back and giving us a picture in eternity. And this here, it says, "In the beginning, eternity was the Word, and the Word was with God." That word "with" is the Greek word pros, p r o s, and that word means an eternal, affectionate embrace of love shared between the Father and the Son where nothing could hinder it, distract it, or disturb it. That's his anticipative love. And in this is where he knew us. Long before our will, ever was active in receiving that anticipative love, which could at that time only have flown through his pervenient grace. And pervenient grace is where my will is not active in receiving. It's not, it's not even a place of being passive because it hasn't been humbled yet. It hasn't been humbled yet. Because, of course, when we were born, we were born with a sin nature in Psalm 51 and verse 4. Brought out again in Psalm 58 and verse three, because that old sin nature was passed on, in in Romans 5 and verse 12. But see, we go back here. So in the beginning was the Word, the Word with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. This goes into 1 John 3:20. For us, if our heart condemns us, what's the heart in us? It's the mind. What mind is it? It's the minding of the flesh, and we can see that. In Romans chapter 8, which doesn't have anything to do with those first three verses. So the first verse in Romans 8 and verse 1 says this in the original. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. And that in is we are held captive in this eternal embrace. There's no condemnation there. Was there any here? In John 1, 1 and 2? No. No, it wasn't wasn't a bit. Then it goes on to say in Romans 8, verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life, of life, that's the, that's the, the, the word of God, the word of man life, Christ. Huh? For, the, for the law of the spirit of life has, past tense for us in Christ, already set us free from the law of sin and death. That's just not the, the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, 3 to 17, or those 17 first verses. No, no, it's way, way more than that. It it's set me free from the law of sin and death. But what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness, they are human nature, not sin nature, a sinful flesh, condemned sin in the flesh. He did that. And he, that was us. That's all for us, excepted in the beloved in Ephesians one six, way back then in the anticipative love of God, still actively flowing through prevenient grace, <laughs> and that's why when He sent the Word, when it says here the Word, right? Then the Word in one fourteen, huh? It's so incredible how this says, and the Word was made flesh. He became. He, he was made flesh, the, the very word of God, see? and dwelt among us. Me, mean, meaning, going through everything, living just like that without a sin nature, but a human nature, able to feel pain, rejection, hurt, all these things, okay? but no sin nature. But feeling every single thing that we ever felt and boy, without a sin nature, what must have that felt like? Oh my God, can't even imagine, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. This is going back to that eternity, in John one one and two, the only uniquely begotten one, filled up with all that grace and truth is, and so, in first John three twenty if our heart, our mind, the minding of the flesh. This is Romans 8, 4 to 8. If my heart condemns me, look, God is greater. In his anticipative love, in his pervenient grace, God is greater than my heart. And what does it say? He knows all things. And do you know what this is bringing? He only knows me. He only ever knew me. No, knowing my sin, but not knowing me after it. Not, an, uh, not a failure, not any flesh. No wonder we should never know anyone after the flesh. Because it's not how God knows us. You see, because it there's where familiarity is. That's where familiarity is with each other. That's the fly in the apothecary in, in Ecclesiastes 10, 1. Where, where And that's why we don't know anything yet as we ought to in 1 Corinthians 8, 1 and 2. But when we experience that love, oh boy, boy, are we free. So free to live in the selfless, self-sacrificial love of God. And so this is what God was giving to me personally this morning. And this is what he said to me. And I wrote it right here, wrote it right down. And this is what I wrote, because he gave it to me instantly. And I said, oh my God, i got to write it down. As long as I am with, see, with Jesus Christ the Son, there's no flesh active in me. And when there's no flesh active in me, then there's no lust. When, a lot of the times what, what we think of, when we think of lust, we think of sexual lust. It's much more than that. It's much more than that. There's all, there's all, see the flesh, the flesh in us is never satisfied and never will be. That's why it was crucified, Romans 6, 1 to 6. So then there's this thing, it's called approbation lust. I have to be recognized. I have to, in the flesh. I always, will always compare myself with someone. It will be because in the flesh, either. And this is what. And remember what humility is. Humility is not thinking too highly of myself. That's the flesh. That's what we do in the flesh. We think too highly of ourselves. We compare ourselves in Second Corinthians ten twelve with others, and we and when we do, we come up above them. Or then we think too lowly of ourselves when we compare ourselves in the flesh to others. God uses another person, Cause his word. I witness it. I witness God using another vessel. It's God. I still have Christ in me, but I witness him using someone else. And then I get insecure about that. And now I have to do other things. I feel like I have to do other things. And you know what happens with a leader? And God was telling you this this morning. You know what happens when you're in a position to lead others? That the enemy will use that in the sense that even if they're ignorant of it, they, they're, they're, they're sensing it. And then they get a false burden and a false need that meets the false burden and the false need of that leader. And then they form and think they've got to do something different now by themselves. Still do this, but do something different. I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. You see, if my heart condemns me, and it's all based on condemnation, has nothing to do with who we are in Christ. Not a single thing. That's approbation lust. I have to be recognized. And if someone else is used, oh, and I battle it. And we know that. We've all felt that in our lives. Listen, I know that for a fact in my life and other lives. I just know that. It's a fact. And we battle these things. And it's all based upon condemnation and comparing and fleshly prides. What it is. It's all it is. God. You mean God used someone else? People were attracted to it and blessed. Yeah, but you know what the flesh does? It separates Christ from the vessel and makes the vessel the issue. Then we compare. Now we have to do things differently. Oh, my God. What happened? You know? Listen, for each of us individually, as long as I am with Jesus Christ, held in this kind of love, there's no flesh. There's no lust, all these lust patterns. And sometimes, you know, in my own life, there's certain strongholds. We know that in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 4. The weapons of our warfare are carnal. They don't have any, listen, this is what the Holy Spirit's telling us this morning. Has nothing to do with the flesh. Doesn't. That carnal there means flesh. Fleshly things in the Christian that they're not of. Where the enemy seeks to activate all these things. So 2 Corinthians 10, 4, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Listen, but mighty through God. What does it mean, mighty through God? Oh, it's way back here. Way back here in John 1, 1 and 2. But mighty through God to the pulling down of a stronghold. Now, a stronghold can be the height of certain sins that I I deal with constantly like we think we can deal with him, by the way, when we should just run to him. And that's James 4, verse 8. Draw near to God. As long as I live in the flesh, and that's active, will I draw near to him? No, I'll battle it. You know, I'll make it my battle. Yes. These things are, listen, for me, the flesh is so subtle for one second. It doesn't take anything. You know, it says, I think I mentioned this the other day, and as and, and the Holy Spirit gave it to me, Jesus said when he saw Satan fall from heaven in Luke 10, 18, it's how fast does a flash of lightning come to the earth? Very quick. That's how quick he can activate the flesh. When I'm not protected by his love, because this is what he said. He told me, he said, Ed, as long as you're with Jesus Christ, my son, and that love, your flesh won't be activated. And there'll be no lust, but only love. And where there's love, you're there's protected. And when you're protected, there's security. And it does away with any insecurity of the flesh. God, listen, and it's beautiful. God used someone? Awesome. I mean, he used someone other than me? And people were attracted and blessed? Did it make me insecure? Then God would use that to tell me this... See here, no love, not protected, not, not secure, insecurity. And believe me, those insecurities come if you're a leader or a pastor or whatever, or whatever it is, or doesn't matter, and whatever, that comes out and people get wind of that. Then they have to, then they become one with you in that, and now you got to do something separate. And this is where you get all these denominations and all this other stuff. Because it's just flesh. And that's why in all of those things, we see this in Numbers, the 19th chapter, and we see it in Hebrews, the 13th chapter, in verses 12 and 13, in Numbers 19, 1 through 3. You see Jesus, everything he did, he did outside the camp. He did outside the flesh in that evil system. Listen, the flesh in me is evil, but we're not of it. We're not of it. And that's what he... He said, write it down, as long as you, Ed, a with me and my precious son, there's no flesh experientially. This is Romans 8, 9. You see Romans 8, 1 to 8, right up to verse 9. There's going to be no lust patterns activated. Listen, so for me, there's an area where the enemy knows, where he, he knows where he can get me in this one area of the flesh, which is really, we could say it's my weakest area. It's every area. But he can get that. And what that does is that that one area, if it's activated, what does a little leaven do? Luke 12, 1. What does a little leaven do? 12, 1 and 2. Galatians 5, 9. 1 Corinthians 5, 6. A little leaven. Leaven's the whole lump. Every kind of lust pattern now. Every single kind, no protection, held in bondage. Bringing it out here, and you know what? What are we like when we don't have a father? And 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 at some point, God really wants to bring this up because, and not in terms of condemning my own uh, natural father. who who was a Christian, who was a born-again believer, not in terms of of blaming him for anything, but for me, boy, I wanted to be loved by a father. And not fault-making faults. I so needed that love. And that's what Jesus was saying in John 20, verse 17, when he said to Mary, 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 you want to and, and remember, we must remember when it says that in the King James, touch me not. We have to realize and not interpret it privately, because private interpretation will say about that verse that Jesus was so pure that he didn't want Mary to touch it. Well, excuse me. He had just risen from the dead. He had dealt with Mary's sins. It wasn't a sin issue. Really, the Greek says. You can't grasp and you can't keep me here, honey. You can't. I'm going to go to a place where I will be with you by sending the Holy Spirit down. And you'll have two comforters in John 14, 16, and 17. You will have that. But you can't grasp me here. Grasp and keep me here to yourself. You see that? You see the flesh in us, literally, that we're not of, wants them just for ourselves. I don't want him using someone else. You mean he's going to use someone else to give the word? People are going to be attracted to it? And it's not going to be me at that time? We don't want that. Oh, boy. God does not want that because that is not who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us. And this is First John 4 and verse 17. Because there's no fear in love. And as long as I live in a lust pattern, it's always motivated by pride. Pride is motivated by fear. Fear is motivated by pride. This is 1 John 4, 17 and 18. So when it says here in the King James, in John 20 and verse 17, then finally when she recognized them, she said this. Oh, and how quickly we can say this. When we finally recognize him, when he says our name, no one can say his name or say our name like the one who's conquered us with his love. You know, when it says in Romans 8, verse 37, we're more than conquerors, that is his, his anticipative love through prevenient grace that's now activated because my will receives it. And now, you know what I expect? I'm more than a conqueror. And I am pleased and happy no matter who he chooses to use. It never, it becomes an, it becomes an area of edification to me and never insecurity, ever. Never. I, I, you, and, and I recognize it because it's Christ and the vessel, yet not separate. It's beautiful. So. When he says this to her, touch me not, he said, you can't grasp and hold and keep me here, for I am not yet ascended to my father, but go. Go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto, and only in the way that he could, as the son of God in the son of man, truly God and truly man in a way that will we'll experience it, but will never come to the end of it. But in one sense, he declares the end from the beginning in terms of deity. <laughs> but we'll never come to the end of it in Ephesians 3 and verse 19. To know the love of Christ, that passeth knowledge. But he said, I'm going to my father. And then he said this, your father. See, that's protective love. That's security. See? And to my God and your God. And what is God like? What is he like? He's a loving father. That's what he's like. That's what he's like. Very protective. And so when it says that, he's not saying to her, you can't touch me because I'm the pure son of God and you're still a sinner. (laughs) Because she recognized. You know what she said? She said, unto him, Rabbi," which is that, oh, my master, my teacher. And you see, he was the teacher. Because in his humanity, not his flesh, but in his humanity, it was always him and the Holy Spirit. And, and that's what he was saying in John 14, 16, and 17. He was saying, you've had the Holy Spirit with me because I was filled up with all of who God was. But when I go and ascend through propitiation, substitution, reconciliation, I will send down another comforter and he'll be your teacher. This brings in the reality of 1 John 2, 20. And brings it in beautifully in 1 John 2 and verse 27. Brings it in very beautifully. You don't have any man. No other man will be your master. No other man will ever be your authority other than Jesus Christ. And, and bringing in the authority. The authority because he gave him all authority and all power in heaven and in earth. And we see that in Matthew 28, 18. We see that very clearly. He's the very power of God in 1 Corinthians 1 and 24 and the very wisdom of God. And when I function in the wisdom that Christ is in me, there's no comparisons whatsoever, ever. I'm secure. And wisdom and knowledge will be the security and stability of our times in Isaiah 33 and verse 6. So when he said that, we see he's not saying you can't touch me. Because then he's saying right again, further in the chapter, he's saying, Thomas, the doubting Thomas. And here, when it's doubting Thomas, when it's doubting Thomas, it is a picture of unbelieving Israel still. I won't believe it till I see him. And boy, they will in Revelations 1 and verse 7, where it says, says, behold, he comes with the clouds. And that's all of us coming back, Revelations 19, this is understanding the scriptures as the Holy Spirit and him only can bring them to us. It says, he comes with the clouds. That's with us and all the angels. And it's so many, it blocks out the sun like a cloud. Behold, he comes with the clouds. And then it says, every eye will see him. Then it says, and they which also pierced him, the nation of Israel that gave him over. To be pierced on Calvary. And they will wail. Some will wail in brokenness and return to him, the nation of Israel, in due time, which they will. True Israel, true Israel, in Galatians 6 and verse 16, and so many other scriptures. He, he will return. Then the others will wail in hatred because he's real. Oh, But this brings into this, when he said, Thomas, and this is what he has to constantly say to us in the flesh, stop doubting me. Don't doubt my love. You doubt my love because you don't experience my love in you. And then the flesh is activated. And now when you see my love active in another individual and being used and being promoted and others gathering around, you get insecure because you're not protected by his love. And this God was telling me this morning when he said, put all your stuff away. And this is what I have to tell you. This is what I want to tell you this morning. This is what I want to tell you. Reach, reach forth your finger and behold my hands. See them? See what love did? And reach your hand and thrust it into my side. Side. He wants to bring back the picture and, The side here has to do with 19 in verse 34. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthward came out what? Blood. That's propitiation. That's substitution. That's reconciliation. And water, cleansing. This is what came out. And this is what he's saying here. I want you to do that and thrust it in my side, and stop being faithless. You know what this is saying? And I wrote it down here. This is what he said. Stop being faithless. What is he saying? Stop not experiencing my love for you. Don't be loveless. But believing, depending on that love, depending on it. For you as an individual, you see, he loves us individually. And in that, we become these joints that supply, and a joint that supplies never compares the flesh in us with another believer, because we don't know each other after the flesh. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16, you don't know any man after the flesh. No, all things are are what? Are they in a process of passing away? No, it's past tense. They already are passed away. Behold, hey, behold, all things are new in him. That's individual. And if I see him individually in me and I'm happy and blessed with him, I don't need any other thing. I don't care who he uses. It doesn't affect me other than edify me as a joint that supplies so that the enemy doesn't divide. And the flesh is so subtle. In Genesis 3 1, in 2 Corinthians 11, and verse 3, it's very subtle. And the enemy, and I remember these thoughts that God gave me some weeks back either I experience being married to Jesus Christ, and when I am, I care for others in this love for me. I care for them. It's not about me, it's not about who he uses, it's not even about me. But when I don't care, be, I'm married to my flesh. Oh, God forbid. And he does in his love for us. And so this is what my thoughts, and I'm going to end this. Well, I won't end it, but only God can can end it. And that's when he said, "He, he, he I wrote it right down, right in my Bible, right here. As long as I am with you, Ed, In my son, Jesus Christ, the son, you won't have any experience of the flesh. There's no comparison. There's no insecurity. The flesh is very subtle. Yes, God used me. He blessed me. People were blessed. And then someone else came and God used that. And oh, my God, when I'm not protected, what do I see? Uh Uh-oh. Wait a minute. It's not about me now. So we got to do it different. Oh boy. Flesh is very subtle. It's very, very subtle. And it can happen like this, like lightning. Satan fell from his place. This is pride. He fell from his place instantly. And we speak and we experience his fallen iniquity in the flesh. Because that does not change. That's why we constantly need to be separated by it constantly in Hebrews 4 and verse 12. We need to have that constantly. Sometimes we think we can think and choose to not hear certain messages from certain people. We think we can choose to do that. It's not our choice. It is not our choice. It's not. It's Christ. I mean, if we have anything, any of us, I mean, isn't it purely of him with his anticipative love flowing through even grace? long before his humble plan humbled me and made me passive so I could receive it. Just really amazing. No, Ed, any one of us, long as you're with me in this love, this eternal and affectionate embrace of a love life that nothing can disturb or distract or bring a comparison in or make insecure. as long as you're with that, there's going to be no flesh active in your experience And then no lust patterns, ones you know about. Never mind, yeah, strongholds. Who knows these better than us? Listen, look, there's two, there's two that know the flesh better than us. You know who it is? It's God and it's Satan. Who would you rather have in control? Who would I rather have in control? his protective love or him keeping me in bondage in John 8 and verse 34 making me a slave to these lust patterns a constant slave a constant slave it's like a slave looking at other in in my slave flesh when i don't experience his love i look at other believers and it's like oh my god they live with jesus in a palace they they're using him mightily People, are, oh, they're attracted and it's not me anymore. Oh my God. No, we have Christ in us. Now, the guarantee of a glorious future. And you know, suffering is a really beautiful thing when it's done right because it separates us from that flesh. It separates us. And in and, and, and closing, this brings in the reality. Of Galatians chapter five and verse seventeen, the flesh lusts against the spirit. The spirit of what? A loving Father through Jesus Christ the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. The flesh lust. Where's that? The flesh is the lust of that lying enemy in John eight and verse thirty-four and he uh, forty-four. John eight forty-four. And he wants to master us and father us in the flesh through a lie. See, the flesh lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh so that these things are contrary one to another so that you can't do the things that you would. I want him to use me and I'm satisfied, but I get insecure when he does it with someone else. That insecurity comes out even to people when they're ignorant of it and then they get this false need. Now they need to lift this guy up. God help us from that, and he will. See what he was doing in me this morning. So that when you see that in yourself, Ed, you you can deal with that only in the protective way of my love. And if you see that active in someone else, you won't judge them. You won't. You love them in my love, and you pray for them. And you let me, and only me, do my work in them. While you still love them and don't at, have the flesh activated in you, so you get into a battle. And his love is very protective. Very, very protective. So, Father, we just thank you this morning for your protective love. Your anticipative love is your protective love that, that you still protect us with, even the things that we're ignorant of. In 1 Corinthians 8. In 1 Corinthians 8, 1-3, through 3, even the things that we're ignorant of, it's still your anticipative, protective love. Because you will never leave us nor forsake us in that love that was anticipated long, and flowing through provenient grace long before we ever even experienced it. And that's what makes it necessary for us to be humbled. And that's why God designed his plan to humble us in James 4. 6 through 10, and in First Peter 5, uh, 6 through 10 also. We just thank you and praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.